Okay, we're going to light some fires today as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of a performance by Jim Morrison and the Doors right here in Danbury as part of Westcon's annual fall festival that year. I'm Paul Steinmetz, and this is WCSU 411, the podcast that reveals all there is to know about Western Connecticut State University. Today, we have invited Brian Stevens, the archivist at Westcon's Haas Library, to bring us back to October 17th, 1967, the day the doors did Danbury. All right, turn down the lights, Pete. <laughs> that was Brian. Thanks for being here, Brian. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so what is it that uh, the uh, we're still talking about it 50 years later? We're, this, uh, you know, we're past the 50-year anniversary, but it's still the 50th year anniversary, so we thought it was a good topic for a podcast still. Yeah. So um, can you tell us about how this happened, that the doors came to Danbury? Um, well, I can tell – uh, the amount I know uh, is basic, fr- basically from the Westcon angle that, um, uh, according to the student newspaper, they had asked that the Four Seasons to play at the fall festival, and uh, I guess they had canceled, and the doors were somehow available. I think I saw their tour schedule, and they were they had done. I believe two nights in New Haven uh, the night before, so it was kind of easy to, for them yeah. to come up here and sure. do this. Uh, but you know, you know, stu- the student activities council at the time, you know, if they got the four seasons, uh, just in terms of popularity, the the doors would have been uh, a pretty big coup for them. Because um, when I first saw that, when I first started working here, there was a picture of that concert in the reading room of the archives, and um, my knowledge of the Doors was pretty, you know, scattered. I wasn't sure when their first record came out, and I assumed this was their first tour. But the, actually, this was after "Light My Fire" was a hit, mm-hmm. um, and they were promoting their second album, so um, they would have been pretty hot mm-hmm. um, and in the picture it looks like the the people in the audience look pretty calm so uh, it led me to believe that this was their first tour but uh, for them that would have been pretty you know uh, they would have been very sought after at the time so mm-hmm. um, but anyway so them getting uh, the doors here was probably a big coup and it was Probably a decent gig for them, just in uh, just in terms of audience and pay, probably. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, every that's probably all I know about it, and uh, you know, about half of that is based in <laughs> pure fact. But yeah, I mean, but you can speculate that a touring band at that time in 1967, you know, post Beatlemania. Um, you know, right after the summer of love, it was probably a pretty exciting time to be seeing touring acts and uh, for Westcon at the time, which looked pretty conservative even in 1967, it was probably a pretty eye-opening experience for those kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think their first 
album became a hit and light my fire uh, earlier that year, right? Right. 1967. Yeah, it came out early 67. And then they recorded their second album in September of 67. Uh So they were right back in the studio, um, which they did. I think they put out eight records in four years or something. um, So they were really prolific. Um, Yeah, so they had just come out with a new record. Yeah, and they were hot. Yeah. So and Jim it, Morrison was a big Yeah, deal. so they had Love Me Two Time, which was the, the single at the time, um, which I don't even – we. and what's funny is in the last couple of years on YouTube, somebody posted the recording of the concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know exactly what they played and how they played it. Um, I don't remember them playing Love Me Two Time, which would – but – uh, maybe it was before they had declared that as a single. or mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah, that's what uh, I was doing some research too. And um, there's a bunch of different sites that have bootlegs of the concert. Yeah. Apparently one was recorded on a reel-to-reel tape recorder by a, professor, a, a teacher there. A teacher? At, high, at Danbury High School. Well, which leads us to another yes. question, but uh, but yeah, reel to reel would have been the pretty. I mean, it would have been early for a cassette recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so a reel to reel would have been generally the the medium of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not out of the ordinary. No, you just don't see them anymore, right? Um, they probably were the little guys with like the two-and-a-half-inch diameter reels and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the the placement of the concert is the um, the fact of contention recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. What did you have about – you were – did you have a, like a, yeah. a set question for, for that – I did about a month ago, but it looks like pretty clearly that they played in Danbury High. There are still people around who say, oh, no, I watched them at Westcon in some one of the auditoriums. But it seems clear that it was Danbury High School that they Now, when you say it on. seems clear, what, what are the things that seem clear? There I have eyewitness report <laughs> from a stu- somebody who claims to have been there as a um, – either a high school senior or a Westcon student. And he wrote on his website, during the song, The End, Morrison smashed his microphone stand several times into the stage floor. The next day, our local newspaper reported that the high school principal was so outraged by the damage caused to the stage that he threatened to sue the band. I was in the school chorus and knew the stage well. So first thing on Monday morning, I snuck onto the stage to survey the supposed hole that Jim Morrison had gouged into the floor. It was really no big deal, just some scuff marks and a slight indentation. But as I stood looking at it, I kept saying to myself, Jim Morrison stood here, and I saw him. Hmm. Okay. So you don't uh, think he happened at uh, Danbury High School? I don't actually know. I mean, I don't know definitively. All I okay, there's a couple, you know, sort of similar factoids that I have. Hmm. One was uh, I had a fellow come into the archives wanting to sell me a piece of the stage, uh, 
that had the dent in it. Uh, and he had worked in Whitehall. He had worked on the redoing the floor of the stage in Whitehall and was going to wanted to sell me that piece. The Jim Morrison dent? Yes. Uh, and I don't know if you've looked on eBay, but anything that he dented is like worth. You know, it's like gold. I didn't look uh, on Yeah, he's dent, he dented like Twinkies, um, uh, various, you know. <laughs> uh, thank you, Pete. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, I did not take him up on the offer. But um, that may have prejudiced my feeling that it was uh, upstairs. Sure, that's good um, evidence. We're recording here in the basement of Whitehall, just yeah. below Jim Morrison's stage. <laughs> <Dent>. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what else? Um, uh, I have with me today the Westcon Echo from uh, the concert. The concert was part of the fall weekend, mm -hmm. Westcon's fall weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, we had recently acquired this building, Whitehall, Whitehall. Mm -hmm. which was the high school. Um, I'd think that they would mention the placement of the concert in a venue that was not WestCon as germane to the story. You you know, uh, so it would seem odd that uh, that wouldn't be part of the description of the concert. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so. What else? Uh, just concrete evidence. It's more sort of evidence of omission than uh, than actual positive evidence that uh, it was there. You so think maybe that, it's still up in the air then? Yeah, I kind of think it is. And just in looking at the stage, um, uh, there's nothing. There's no uh, the pictures that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no. There's nothing to to push it either way, mm -hmm. um, and in fact, I'm not familiar with what the stage looks like at uh, Danbury High School. So, um, and they may have also changed it, but I mean, there's nothing that jumps out. Oh, that column right. uh, is not at, at Whitehall or whatever, but it definitely looks like the stage upstairs. I tried to find people who attended the concert and couldn't find any, which maybe raises the question of whether there was, in fact, a concert. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Uh, if it happened, if it was today, we would we would yes. wonder. But That's right. no, but I think the um, the other thing that happens is uh, talking earlier about this is the you know how someone told me a story about Ruth Haas going to this concert. and She was the president of Westcon at the right, time. Right, and uh, that she was sitting in like the third row and there was a couple in front of her that started to make out mm -hmm. and that she tapped them on the shoulder and they were so mortified that uh, the old matron of the university had, you know, called them out um, uh so I thought, oh, that's an interesting story, um, and uh, as is the case, I was, you know, researching something else, and I happened to be going through Ruth Haas's day book, which we do have, and so I could see her appointment. So, oh, let's look at October 11th or whenever it was. 17th. 17th. Okay. You say the 17th. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, and look, and she was out of town that day. Oh, so she wasn't at the concert. She was like overnight in New York or something. I'll be darned. Yeah, so she was never at that concert. Now I don't. It may be that there was another concert that she was at, and these people happened to conflate the two events. But whatever. So, you know, you get into the this crowd of people recall, recalling things, and they. Uh, not because they're lying about it, but mm-hmm. they simply recall it differently because they've conflated two events uh, into one. Um, and definitely um, you can see somebody recalling, yeah, I saw the doors um, at some venue in Danbury. Let me think where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may think high school and then they picture Danbury High School and not Whitehall or right. vice versa. So you never know. I hope it was up here because it would make it a lot more exciting for us. Yeah. I mean my – my I'm leaning towards still believing that it was upstairs simply because I would – again, that because it's not mentioned mm-hmm. uh, outright that it was at Danbury High School and it was a WestCon event that uh, – Seems to me that it was upstairs. So we can get the plaque ready then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So the the dented plaque that would be fitting. <laughs> that would be great. The uh, of course you mentioned this is the summer just after the summer of love. So what would it have been like in Danbury about that time for anybody who's you know under um, 25, the summer of love was uh, this big um, idea about uh, uh, breaking from convention. Right, right, and it was when uh, Sgt. Pepper came out. uh, The Beatles. Yep. Beatles were four lads from Liverpool with very, very nice hair, Mm -hmm. uh, tight trousers. Uh, Google it. Um, uh, Some of them are even still alive. Yeah, it's crazy. But Unlike anyway, Jim Morrison. Um, <laughs> we'll get back to that. <laughs> that we we uh, that we know. Uh, but uh, so the the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper, came out in June of '67. Um, all the you know big bands uh, were chasing that sort of uh, psychedelic wave. And, Psychedelic refers to drugs. Uh, yes, <laughs> and uh, so the Doors' first record would have pre- came out before Sgt. Pepper, but sort of on the heel, the Beatles had put out a single, um, uh, uh, "Strawberry Fields" and "Penny Lane," which were sort of psychedelic, mm. um, uh, very colorful pop songs that. Um, once the Doors came out, um, that would have been congruent, or probably it's about the same time, and sort of that, sort of, you know, surreal tin sort of music, is what colored the uh, the cultural things that were happening in the summer of '67. Um, uh, so, and once we're seeing this concert in the fall of '67. That would have been, you know, all that stuff would have been in full swing. Um, yeah, and so Danbury would have probably attracted a few, uh, you know, nascent hippies 
uh, who came to the show, though you can't see them in the any of the pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, but are people in the audience the guys wearing their ties? You can't, see, but you can see the hair, and mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. Um, uh, you'd think so if you, I'm pretty versed in what the look of the Westcon yearbooks look like, and mm-hmm. and. You know, you'd think in 1964, again, referring to the Beatles, that you'd see, uh, or 65, some Beatle haircuts creeping in. But uh, Westcon was very conservative. And a lot of crew cuts look like the same as 1950s. And you really see that even through 67. Maybe in 67, a couple people with bangs, but that's not it. <laughs> it's not until 68 that you see anyone with long hair. And then in 69, it's like, uh, you know, a different culture. Wow. And, it's, of course, every in 69, in the rest of the country, everybody's cutting their hair again. So, you know, a yearbook is actually reflecting the year before, kind of, and but it's, it's stark how quickly uh, things changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so this would have been sort of before that sea change and just culturally here, but... So when they played, it would probably have been, uh, you know, when the doors went into the end, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience were like, uh, if you're not familiar with the song, I think we're going to hear it now, right, Pete? <laughs> uh, uh, because of copyright, we can't. But I will sing it now. <laughs> Paul, will, Paul will approximate the arpeggiated guitar. But um, it's a very, uh, you know, uh, uh, talky kind of poetic song and uh, and at there one point there's a point where Jim Morrison talks about <laughs> some Oedipal <laughs> issues and uh, and apparently he jumped off the stage and that's when he dented the stage oh. <laughs> uh, 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 so anyway you know that would have been pretty mind blowing to a bunch of people expecting the four seasons <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so so Morrison was a this poet uh, rock star who um, made up lyrics apparently during his performances too. I don't hear that. Lift. I don't hear that a lot. I mean, it, um, he, uh, but he was a poet. Some people call him like a uh, a crappy poet. But can we say crappy? Yes, you can we can. Yes. Well, you just uh, did. Uh, I said it again. <laughs> but I'll say it backwards this time, and then you can uh, – we'll do it in the post. That's a rock and roll um, reference for you uh, kids. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And he was also known for being pretty flamboyant on stage. Just in – you know, in the, when he played at WestCon, he was in a complete leather outfit. Um Fairly tight pants again. I'm, this is the second time I'm referring to tight pants. He was very good looking. Uh, um, yeah. And the other guys in the band weren't. Yeah, <laughs> so right. he got to stand out. Mm. Um, and because Robbie Krieger's not calling in, we can right. say he was he was really the dog of the band. And he still is. Just <laughs> as an aside, we invited two band members who are still living, Robbie Krieger, who was a guitarist, and John Densmore, who was a drummer, and both of them blew us off. They didn't even acknowledge, really, that uh, we exist. And um, they're, so, both at, they're both at the high school now. I don't know where these guys are. 
Yeah, maybe they went to the high school for the interview. The, I know, they uh, said they'd be here. <laughs> no, they didn't even acknowledge WestCon. Maybe they can't remember 50 years ago anymore. Well, they probably can't. I mean, they probably can't remember the, the gig specifically. But, mm. uh, but um, uh, they might. Yeah, I mean, they didn't play uh, probably a, a huge number of high school auditoriums after their first album came out. Well, that's, you know, they may have hmm. because at the time, you know, now we have a lot of infrastructure for, you know, touring acts. Um, but then, you know, <laughs> that's like, true. Uh, the Beatles played at dog tracks and, you know, weird, mm -hmm. you know, movie theaters, you know, because there were just not venues big enough in these towns to. Uh, you know, put mm -hmm. 400, 500 people. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, they were surprised that, you know, 400, 500 people would want to show up to see these guys because the people booking these tours would have been old fogies like us, you know, be like, I don't know what the, the kids want to hear. And like, the door's fine. We'll get, right. you know, there'll be, you know, 100 people there and then they get swarmed. <laughs> but they had no, they had no clue and um, uh, but anyway, the, the, it was not uncommon for in that time for bands to be playing in you know high school gymnasiums. Uh, the Who played lots of high school gymnasiums. Uh, the when Who they, did, yeah, wow, yeah. So one thing that interests me is that people are still talking about the Doors coming to West Con or Danbury, you know, fifty years later. It's kind of part of the city's um, thing. Yeah. What do you think that is? Um, partially driven by the myth of the doors, um, the fact that they got the doors at that time, which would have been, you know, like we were saying, it was a, a kind of a you know, a tipping point um, and probably for a lot of those, a lot of the collective memory, that was a probably important time and sort mm. of a signpost for what was to come. And so it probably is etched into people's memory for that reason. Uh, the other reason is there's photographic evidence that's, um, you know, uh, this university is you know, perpetuated and uh, um, anytime that happens, uh, drives up the stock of the event. Um, and uh, uh, I think just uh, there weren't a lot, of, you know, when you look back at the 60s, it's not like there were a lot of, that was probably the biggest band, you know, we were saying again that they were, that was, you know, pretty much a high point for them. Uh, the other bands that came through here during the 60s, you know, uh, Union Gap. Hey, girl, yeah. get at them. Not, not my favorite <laughs> and not, not capturing the imagination of very many people. Not, you know, or not to um, 
talk down about no, it's Gary, okay. Gary Puckett. Go ahead. Uh, there may be huge Gary Puckett fans, but you know they dressed up in Civil War uniforms, sometimes <laughs> Confederate, which is lovely. Yeah, um, that's nice. Uh, good marketing scheme. Uh, that would be effective today, I believe. Um, uh, but uh, who else? Frankie Valley uh, did come here. Uh, and, uh, you know, Shana Na later on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this would have been, you know, I think the doors were kind of the biggest thing that had come here just in terms of like, you know, 60s cultural icons. So, yeah, for those reasons, yeah, people remember it. And, of course, uh, Jim Morrison died a few years later. I guess it was 71 that he died. He lived till he was 71, until 1971. He was right. only 27. Yeah. So, um, and the story is that he died while he was taking a bath and um, injecting heroin. The best way to go. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably know this. He's buried in Paris because that's where he died. And uh, they hauled his body out. They never did a autopsy and they plunked him in the ground at some church where you can still go see it. I've seen it. You have. <laughs> I have, yeah. Uh, I wasn't you? even a big Doors fan and I went to see it. Uh, yeah. Just because – well, at the time um, – when I was in high school, Apocalypse Now uh, by Francis Ford Coppola uh, had come out, and there's um, the song The End figures pretty prominently in that film. And so it, it kindled this interest in The Doors, and um, a lot of people associated that movie, the vibe of Apocalypse Now, or, you know, the book that it's based on of this equating the ethos of the doors with uh joseph conrad and all this sort of dark symbolism um so they had they had this you know renaissance at that time and i think that renaissance kind of has you know it, it plateaued but never went away uh since then mm -hmm. um uh but um, I don't. I don't remember what I was. I, Paul, I don't remember what I was talking about. But Apocalypse <laughs> Now was a beautiful film. Uh, if you haven't seen it, please do. Uh, I did. I was a depressed lot of, for three weeks after. A lot so. of very tight trousers in that film. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> um, I think we just got a name for the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, what were you saying, though? Uh, He's buried in Paris, oh, and right. you went to see it. Oh yeah. So then, like when I went first, went to Paris, that was, was like. Oh, I gotta see where Jim Morrison's buried, mm -hmm. and it's amazing because people uh, in 1984 or 85 were decorating his grave. It was decked out with hundreds and hundreds of flowers, and it reminded me of like if you ever go to Graceland, how uh, you're just surprised at how many people just have this visceral connection with uh, this pop star and feel like, you know, they got to put flowers on their mm -hmm. their grave. It and, is amazing. I mean, yeah. for those who might not know, Graceland is Elvis Presley, where he's buried. 
because uh, Brian isn't really that old, but he keeps forgetting that we're talking to some of our audiences yeah, 18, uh, even though he works here at a university. Uh-oh, this is one of the young people texting me. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Why do you keep on saying trousers? What are trousers? <laughs> uh, slacks. You know, pants. Dungarees. <laughs> You're right. So... Um, the I did print out some lyrics. I want to get your impression of them as a, I know you're a music aficionado. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, Light My Fire goes, you know that it would be untrue. You know that I would be a liar if I was to say to you, girl, we couldn't get much higher. Come on, baby, light my fire. Come on, baby, light my fire. Try to set the night on fire. The time to hesitate is through. No time to wallow in the mire. Try now, we can only lose, and our love become a funeral pyre. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Did that move you when you first heard it? Um, it didn't. Uh, yeah, my, I mean, one th when I first heard The Doors, it was, you know, 10 years after they had you know, were gone, mm -hmm. or, you know, 1975 or something. Uh, not 10 years, but something seemed like 10 that. years. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, it seemed silly. And the other thing that has always bothered me about that song is, like, uh, uh, um, he rhymes fire with fire. Uh, you can fight fire with fire, but you can't rhyme fire with fire. <laughs> uh, and that always bugged me. So um, That's the music aficionado of me uh, gets bothered by that. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, when you look at that song, um, it is really a mirror image of uh, uh, the, the birds, Mr. Tambourine Man, with the sort of Baroque intro. And then they, and they kind of had taken that model mm -hmm. and imposed it on this... You know, sort of more garagey sort of song. Um, you know, if you compare that to Moonlight Mile, another song of theirs, which is much more sort of poetic, let's, let's swim to the moon, let's climb through the tide. It's, I think it really pales in comparison, but it was like that was the hit. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of, uh, you know, get strapped with that song as being their... Uh, you know, their calling card, which, I, you know, is not really fair to them, I think, because they had a much more interesting material. But it happened to be sort of, I think, and like I said, I think the reason why it was a hit was kind of that melding of the sort of classical-ish thing with a pop song mm -hmm. that the kids loved. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a that deep voice, right? That uh, kind of came through. Yeah, and he had, and like uh, it was also like he. Um, so I have a son who's twenty, and he has some interesting takes on Jim Morrison, and like in and uh, you know his point of view is that he, at some points, he sounds like a like a dad 
trying to sing blues songs. <laughs> and sometimes he actually sounds like a blue, an actual authentic blues person singing. And then, and sometimes he sounds like a quack poet. And sometimes he sounds like, wow, that's really deep. And he has that this juxtaposition of of you know impressions that he leaves you with, uh, where it's a you know a very complicated flavor you end up with. And so he had this sort of deep voice, but sometimes he's like singing quite high, like in uh, what's the the uh, uh, Roadhouse Blues. It's like that's he's getting up there in the range, but the way he delivers, it's very guttural. It's, it, it actually kind of sounds like it's low, but it's... Uh, but he had quite a bit of range as, as a singer and was able to deliver a lot of sort of nuanced content. Um, uh, yeah, and it, you know, kind of probably a little bit uh, like a Frank Sinatra meets Elvis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. And, you know, Sinatra and Elvis had some duds too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They but they weren't, writing, they weren't writing their own material. Right. Hmm. Um, uh, so Jim Morrison had a little bit up on them, but maybe not as good a voice as either of them. He, definitely not. But he had a different mm -hmm. thing going on. Mm -hmm. So your son, 20-year-old son, talks to you about music? Oh, yeah. That's good. And you talk back to him? Yeah, and then he leaves the room. <laughs> but, uh, he, um, yeah, he's really, he's really into music. And, uh, so it's, but it's interesting to get his perspective on it. You know, and uh, I kind of thought he would hate the Doors. And I remember, like, uh, just playing uh, uh, Morrison Motel for him. And there's parts of the record that are really silly and and he liked it you know he liked the fact that it was kind of you know maggie mcgill she lives on a hill her daddy got drunk and he left in the will and he's like saying that it's like these uh it's i don't know uh but it's kind of humorous and he took it as kind of humorous and enjoyed it uh didn't take it too seriously so i think that's kind of you know, maybe their their legacy is like uh, to take them a little less seriously and just kind of have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wasn't going to mention that Robbie Krieger is playing in the Big E in the end of September. Are you going to go see him? Though? I probably will will not, um, but uh, and probably will not go to the Big E. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I'm glad he is. Uh, uh, are you going to go? No. <laughs> I don't like the biggie either. And, yeah. you know, going to those concerts where everybody's spill, spilling beer on you and stuff. No. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, bumping into you with the table set that they bought. I don't know. Uh, how does, uh, <laughs> what happens at the Big E when a band is playing? I can only imagine that it's like, ladies and gentlemen, Robbie Krieger. <laughs> you, know, <That's> right. <laughs> uh, you know it's uh, uh, probably not but maybe maybe there's huge throngs coming out to see him maybe there is there was a uh, Doors tribute band kicking around Boston for a couple of decades 
called Crystal Ship. They pro they probably have uh, some residual fans that would flock to see him. They're all in the Hall of Fame, a uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, apparently. Yes, yes, they are. I think Eddie Vedder inducted them. What'd you say? Eddie Vedder. Oh, he from did. Pearl Jam. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, you know a lot. Too much. Is that part of your job? People may not know that an, or what an archivist does. Um, they shouldn't. <laughs> uh, the, I, I, none of this has anything to do with being archival at all. But, but I think, you know, part of being a librarian, I guess, too, is that um, you tend to um, have a multidisciplinary net of trivia and knowledge that you <laughs> you just keep <laughs> on the back burner so someday I'll need to know this but an archivist is or an archivist um, I always say archivist I looked um, it up online and it said archivist well I was just at the Society of American Archivists and it's uh, a meeting in Washington DC it's but it's one of those things where I think it's moving to archivist uh, but does it really matter? Um, uh, but essentially, the the an archivist is a person who is essentially a librarian for materials that are unpublished. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sure there's, in fact, is there a Doors archive? So if you can imagine, uh, if there's a Doors archive. Um, what would be in it and what would be in it would be ephemera like ticket stubs and posters and trousers, uh, maybe some trousers, uh, but it may be collections of original lyrics, uh, 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 handwritten notes, set that lists, photo, uh, photo pho photographs, uh, audio recordings, any stuff like that and it and that material together. It's never been released or published in any way, and these are the original artifacts, and that's what uh, an archive would deal with. An archivist is the person who organizes that stuff and makes it accessible for people doing research on that. So if anybody wants to go down and see that photo, they can come knock on your door down right. in the basement. And they don't even have to because it's, uh, it's online. They might uh, want to see the original, though. Yeah, it's... But what's funny, though, is that the original is a small five, you know, three by five <laughs> print that was made for the uh, student newspaper. And when you scan it and blow it up, you can zoom in on it. It's, it actually, the digital one is sort of more useful to look at. <laughs> but you can come in and look at it. Um, if only you had bought that dented floor, too. You know, that was big mistake, rookie, rookie mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, you can imagine, like, so as an archivist, what, uh, what f does that dented floor do? Mm. I mean, for somebody researching the doors or Westcon history, it, it's unverifiable. Uh, and then it's a piece of floor. Mm -hmm. What conclusions can we draw from from it? Now, if it were uh, definitively identified as being this is the piece of the floor, they took it off and 
cut it out after he left the day of and somebody, you know, signed an affidavit that this was, you know, uh, you know, you'd see things like that on Antiques Roadshow where it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll give you $100 for it. But I mean, um, but at the end of the day, you're just left with a piece of floor. It doesn't, it doesn't move a story at all, really. And the story still can exist without that piece of floor. That is very deep. Uh, well, yeah, it it is what it is. <laughs> but, That's why your job is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it, but you do have to assess th- and assess things just in terms of how they document something. Mm-hmm. And a dented floor doesn't document really anything. And in in the in the field, there's something called the intensity of a record. And like, you know, this original Westcon newspaper that I have a scan of in my hand, it's intense in that there's very few of these left. It has a lot of content in it. It has a picture of the doors. It has a picture of the fall weekend on it. It's it's very intense. But in terms of like monetary value – the dented floor may be worth twice as much as that echo, but mm-hmm. from my standpoint, this is much more valuable. So I had been imagining that someday our, the microphones that we use for this podcast would be in your archives, but it sounds like they probably won't. No, there. That is a reasonable. Uh, I, I do acquire old gear, mm. and uh, there's a term for it. I can't remember what it is. Uh, um. And as you can imagine, te- technologically, like the headphones we're using, uh, these eighth-inch plugs that they plug into, uh, well, now they've got an adapter to go a quarter-inch, but all that stuff is going to go away. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have things in a period where uh, you still are going to need them. So there is a point of use for uh, – there is a period of use for things in obsolescence. And then there are things that become obsolete like currently like a cassette recorder. Mm-hmm. Now, I will in my job get a lot of cassettes. So uh, uh, I need to have a cassette player in order to play that stuff and mm-hmm. and and I need to digitize it quickly because those cassettes don't last long just in terms of the the magnetic tape did, um, um, ceases to have enough uh, you know it, you get we're so much we're going a little noise. too deep in the weeds now no we're not this is really <laughs> good but anyway it, but you need equipment like that and and so you're going to have some kind of microphone someday, but the things that they plug into and all that kind of stuff mm. may go away. But you, for whatever reason, may need to have the actual equipment uh, to do something. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you do maintain this sort of stable of old expired technology. Yeah. So you can recreate WCSU 411. Yes, yeah, from from just a pair of trousers and a pen. <laughs> well, I think that uh, says it all about uh, the doors 50 years ago and Westcon and uh, our archives, too. I appreciate your time today, Brian. No problem. Thanks, Robbie, for calling. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, I want to give a plug to one of our other podcasts. It's not quite as good as WCSU 411, but it's pretty good. It's a brand new one, the newest on the block. It's called, um, Pete, what is it? Smash and Grab? Gab and Grow. Oh, Gab and Grow, right. It's about things that uh, new students in the residence halls especially can take advantage of here on campus. It's hosted by Mary Beth Griffin, who's one of the directors in the uh, residence hall scheme of things, and very knowledgeable. She was a student here, too, and she does a great job of interviewing people on campus about all the opportunities there are for students here, and there's a lot of them. She's been busy here with Pete in the uh, control room almost every day, hogging time, uh, talking about all the things that go on on campus. It's very annoying, but she does a good job with her podcast. So before Barbara Viegas joins us, I want to remind our listeners that this podcast comes to you from Western Connecticut State University, offering a high-quality, affordable education. If you have questions about enrolling at WestCon, send an email to admissions at wcsu.edu, or you can contact us through the podcast and ask for Barbara. So, Barbara, are you going to put on your headphones? Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> That's part of what we do here. <laughs> Usually it's like right in front and it was hidden today. Oh, so. I see. <laughs> Got them on. So you're going to talk about events today? Yes. Before we do that, I wanted to talk about an event that you and I both went to over the weekend. Yeah. The American Dream Awards Gala. Yeah. How'd you like that? I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was really long. <laughs> it was long, yes. Oh, my God, it was so long, but... It was, it was cool. It was a good cause. And you were sitting next to kind of an annoying guy the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, we were sitting next to our tables. He seemed like he enjoyed uh, talking with you. Yeah. He was, uh, you're talking about the blonde guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, he, he is my uncle's, uh, he works for my uncle. Yeah, I know. He's, your, he's an employee. Yeah. You had never met him before, though, right? No, I had I had met him. Oh, okay. Yeah, he uh, they're they're like best friends now. It's pretty crazy. Like my uncle and him, like the age difference is very significant. But uh, he started there as an intern. It's like really funny. You know what's fun? no? Just side note. When you said a really annoying guy, I was like, I did I couldn't put it together, and I was like, Are you talking about you? Like, because <laughs> you were in the next table. I was like, Oh, okay. Like, I am not I didn't annoying. Think you were that's annoying, what I thought but, too. Yeah, that's what I, I was like. Okay, like <laughs> you're a downer. Like, <laughs> no. Anyway, um, I don't even know how old. Oh, he's 23. Um, and my uncle is like, I don't even know. Like, yeah, gray hair 40s. and stuff. Um, yeah, he's definitely not 50 yet. I think he's, like, late 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so funny. Like, if you look at my uncle's Instagram, like, it's all Chase. Like, it's just so funny. Um, really? Yeah. He's got a bromance with Chase. Yeah, pretty much. I He just, like, I don't know. My uncle's hilarious. Like, he likes, like, the young crowd. Mm-hmm. So he, it makes him feel younger, I guess. So, um, yeah, he started on as an intern, and now he has, like, a full-time position there. So Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. It was really fun. I thought the presentation of, like, the high school, the theater department, like, the three kids that did the pre- I thought that was so pretty. I didn't like that. You didn't like it? It went on way too long. Well, did you watch The Greatest Showman? No, I haven't seen that. See, this is why. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Greatest Showman, first of all, like, is incredible for hmm. anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, and just... I don't know. I think it, like, hits home because, like, that's kind of, like, the story of, like, my family and mm. how, like, my parents migrated 
you know, and then um, they, like, the whole thing was, like, they gave her, like, the suitcase at the end because now she can go on um, and, like, have her own life and they, like, sacrifice so much. So, like, I thought it was really pretty. Um, but the the song, too, I forget which song they used, um, but just, like, with, like, the, the movie and then the, the acting and, the, like, the story, I was like, oh, my God, this is so nice. It must be a great movie because the people who put on the award ceremony loved it, too. That oh, my was God. The whole focus so of it. I thought it was a little excessive. Like, I... Every single okay, yes. never mind. It, it was not excessive. I, don't <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> it was just such a good show. Pete, I got to introduce one of the award winners. Oh, nice! Mm -hmm. How was that? It was good. I was the only person, the uh, only um, person giving an award that everybody in the audience could hear, because I spoke into the microphone mm -hmm. and spoke slowly. People yep. are terrified of microphones. It that, cracks me up. It, it's true. They tried. There were 400 people there, and they tried to say, "Do I need a microphone? Can you yes. hear me back there?" <laughs> no, we can't. Shut up. You know, the other thing that I thought was interesting was that all of the award winners didn't get a chance to speak. It was yeah. just like they won the award and then they sat down. Mm -hmm. And I yeah, thought it was, it was. I don't know. I think it's important for them to at least say like thank you. We'd still be there though if they were That's all true. allowed to speak. I mean, <laughs> it was long. But were you about to make fun of me in my speech? No. You looked like you were about to say something. Well, no, it's because you're like, you know, you got the voice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually told my uncle that. I was like, you guys, like, got to step up because they're doing the, their own podcast. Yeah. You know, we talked about it. And I was like, you should hear this guy on our podcast because <laughs> you got the um, 411. This is Western <laughs> Connecticut State University. That's right. <laughs> Thanks to Pete Puccio. <laughs> what did your uncle say? He, um, yeah, he was like, because when you speak normally, like you can't really, hmm. like you just have like a nice voice. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I was like, yeah, you should hear him like his like radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I'll never hear from him again, obviously. So. <laughs> um, okay, so today is Wednesday. This goes on air today, right? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, Thursday, Thursday the 27th. Today is Thursday the 27th. Well, uh, okay, so. Next list. What time in the afternoon? No, early morning. Early yep. morning, okay. Okay. So, some of the very cool things that we have going on campus. Um, well, first of all, the one that I always talk about is the Newman Dinner and the, New well, not the Newman Dinner, but the Newman Pantry, the food pantry. Oh, yeah. Because Newman Dinner was yesterday. Oh. <laughs> so, um, the Newman Pantry is amazing. It's from 3 to 4 today. Um, Thursday, 27th. Uh, so you get a bag full of food to use over the weekend, which honestly just lasts you forever unless, like, you eat all weekend. Um, Guilty. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone eats, but, like, it's all snacks and stuff mm -hmm. and, like, ramen. Mm -hmm. So I I hope that people just don't eat ramen and snacks no, all hopefully weekend. Not. That would suck. Um, and so you must be currently registered for classes, and you pick up your bag yourself. You can't, like, pick one up for your friend. Mm. Um, they go quickly. Like, they go real fast. Um, unfortunately, I've realized that on Wednesdays at that time, I am not on campus. Uh -oh. <laughs> I'm on the other campus, um, almost, well, I'm on West Side, almost, like, finishing up my classes. So, <sighs> No snacks for you, then. No, no snacks for me. <laughs> but, you know. You can definitely go there and get it. If you want more information, you can call 
Yeah, those good folks at the Newman Center. Yeah, they're awesome. You don't have to be Catholic to pick up a snack yeah, there. Ex- well, let's just say you do so that less people go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that I can get one. <laughs> no, you don't have to be Catholic. Um, okay, some other things that we have going on. Um, on the 28th, this Friday, we have uh, Parent and Family Weekend. Mm. That's something that the Intercultural Affairs Office is taking care of. Um, Where you work. Yes. Um, so I had, like, a whole rundown of the whole day, but honestly, um, I left it in my office. Um, <laughs> but honestly, it's just, I, a lot of the events are here. I mm-hmm. could read a lot of them, but I had, like, a more... Honestly, it's a surprise. Come if you want. <laughs> it's a surprise. Um, so basically, there's a parent and family reception. Uh, the Office of Parent Services and the Alumni Association are hosting everything, but the Intercultural Affairs Office is also taking part of it, so it's cool. not just us. Um, there's a reception at 6 p.m. in the ballroom of the Marin Hotel. Um, you can register. Is that on Friday? Yeah. Hmm. So a lot of people have already registered. I'm honestly unsure. If, I'm pretty sure you can still register. Yes. Um, you can walk in. Yeah. Um, I think because I know that some people are staying overnight in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to be there? Yeah. on Not on Friday, on Saturday. Yeah. I'll be there on Saturday. Um, on Friday, though, there's a family movie. Uh, the WCSU Office of Parent Services, again, and the Honor Students Compassion and the Intercultural Affairs. Also, I don't know why it's not listed on, this, on the wow. Anyway, yeah. uh, we'll host the screening of Incredibles 2 at 8 p.m. in the VPAC Main Stage Theater. Um, and something that's interesting is that, you know, a lo- uh, what Daryl noticed was that a lot of the people attending are not so much families, but their parents. Uh, so some of the parents were like, oh, like, I don't really have any kids, like, don't really want to go to this movie. What can I do? So, for those who don't know, Fall Bash is going on this week. Oh. Um, so, on Friday, there's the block party in the West Side Faculty parking lot at 7 p.m. There's going to be, like, food trucks, uh, just, like, music, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's really just awesome. So Yeah, that'll be a good time, right? There's going to be, like, a beer garden or something. I remember I went last year. Um, yeah, it was really nice. Um so I'd recommend going. How much beer did you drink last year? Um, well, I was not 21 at oh, the time. Good. Paul. <laughs> so none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay, so um, aside from Friday, Thursday again, there's Dodge for Dollars in Berkshire at 830. I think I talked about that Dodgeball game. Yeah. yeah, I talked about that one last week. But again, just to reiterate. And then on Saturday, there is the PAC um, Big E trip. Oh, the finally. Yes. Um, uh, so the Big E trip is hosted in West Springfield, Massachusetts, and the bus will depart from Westside Campus at 10.30 a.m. and West Midtown at 11 a.m. They'll, the they'll leave the Big E at 8 p.m. Tickets for students are $5 with an ID. And 15 for students' guests. Ooh. So, <laughs> tickets are sold out, but <laughs> you can email walldrop003 to be put on a waiting list. So, if you really want to go, you yeah. know. Or you could drive up yourself and join the crowd. Yeah, you're right. Follow the bus. Another uh, really cool thing um, as a part of Parent and Family Weekend is that we'll host a brunch for parents and family. From 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. So parents and families, not just parents and just, like, families. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a student, 
bring your family, bring yourself, bring right. your boyfriend or something. Like, these events are for you, too. It's not just, like, the parents. Really? You know? Yeah. So you can go. Yeah, I'll be there. All right. <laughs> um, are you bringing your family? I don't know. That would be nice, wouldn't that it? That would be nice. Yeah, I know that I'm. I know that I'm bringing my boyfriend. I just don't know about my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bring mom and dad. <laughs> oh, maybe I should. That would be good. Cause yeah, that's a good idea. Um, okay, so there's a brunch. I already said that. From 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Daily Grind in the Westside Campus Center, lunch wow. options will be available from noon to 1 p.m. Hmm. Doesn't say if it's free or not. I don't think it. Sounds be. like maybe not. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool if it were free. Yeah. But honestly, I know that, uh, I don't know if this is, so Daryl is getting, um, like, his, at the street fair, or at the, what's it called, um, the block party, uh-huh. um, there's food trucks, and the SGA always gets, you know, v- uh, vouchers for all the food trucks for the students, and obviously parents and family are included in that. Mm-hmm. So Daryl is getting a few vouchers for the parents um, and the people that are registered to come. Oh, well, so that's good. I know that he wanted to make a point to do that because he didn't want parents having to spend like more money because a lot of them are already paying for the hotel and stuff. So they don't want him, they didn't want him he didn't want them to spend more money. So I'm guessing like if it's part of parents family weekend, I don't think it would be I don't think they'd charge them. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm Find not, out like, when you show up. Yeah, exactly. And who doesn't like brunch? It's always fun. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's really cool is that there's CLEP testing oh. um, at the WCSU Testing Center. Uh, they'll host a college-level examination program, CLEP, test at 9 a.m. in room 117 Computer Lab in the West Side Classroom Building. I know that you... I'm almost positive you have to register for this. Um, oh, okay, so... CLEP exams provide the opportunity to receive college credit for knowledge already required. So basically, I don't know if I'm going to do it because I don't think I need the credits anymore. But I might just in case because, you know, Western sometimes wants to, like, like to mess you up and not let you graduate. <laughs> that never happens. No. Um, so Jeez, that's a good ad for the university. Uh, there you go. In this uh, podcast. I mean, Westcon, we like to mess you up and not let you graduate. Yeah. Cut that part out and put it in yeah. gab and grow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so obviously, like, they want you to succeed and everything, but it's kind of a known fact that students usually graduate in five years. <laughs> We're going off? On the, yeah. Okay. Should I not talk about this? No, go ahead. <laughs> You're going to be done in four years, though, right? Yeah, I three and a half. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, you should take that CLEP test just in case. Yeah, what would you take in it in? Oh, uh, Spanish. Because yeah. it's like, oh, I'm so mad. They don't offer it for Portuguese. No. And I'm pretty sure they have a Portuguese class here on campus. I think so, but I don't I just couldn't take it because it was at the ba- a bad time. But I wanted to take it because I always used to do that even in high school and middle school. I'm such a smart kid. In middle school, they were like, do you want to do French or Spanish? And I'm like, well, I want an A, so I'm going to take Spanish. Because like, yeah. <laughs> I already know Portuguese. I knew that if I had to, I had to actually learn French. So, <laughs> yeah. Did I've you get a... an A then yeah. in Spanish? Yeah. And then I took it in high school too. I refused to take AP though because it's just like... So much at that point. Extra my, work. My best professors were, or teachers, I guess, in high school, um, were Spanish teachers. Like they were <laughs> awesome. I think because like they, I was such a smart, uh, smart Alec. <laughs> so I think my freshman year, I forget his name, but he had recently found me on LinkedIn. Um, he was so funny. He was like uh, this like young guy with like a whole family and everything, and like 
it was, he was just hilarious. Like, mm-hmm. I remember, like, me and my, my best friend at the time, um, we were just, like, it was, I don't know. It was just a really fun class because I would always speak, like, half. It was, like, Spanglish. Not Spanglish. It was, like, Spanish and Portuguese together because, like, I couldn't differentiate, like, everything because <laughs> I didn't study. Like, I was just a bad kid. <laughs> I was just, like, yes because, like, Portuguese is so similar. Um, and he would always be, he would always, like, circle, like, the Portuguese word and be, like, what? Like, <laughs> it was just really funny because it was just funny. And then um, I think junior year. Oh, no, no, no. This was in middle school. My... Yeah, third year of middle school, not junior year of high school. Um, I had Miss Janega. She was incredible. She was uh, ended up being my cheerleading coach really? in high school, and she's awesome. She was the most, she was the prettiest person I've ever met in my life. She had like perfect teeth. Like no one in her family was like a dentist or anything. Like it's not because of that. Like she just took care of it herself. <laughs> and I don't know. She was awesome too. I think Spanish teacher is just awesome. Um, haha. Side note. Nick's mom is a Spanish teacher. I'm not sucking up. What? Who's Nick? Oh, I'm sorry. My boyfriend. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if we ever heard his name until just now. No. Oh, Was Nick. it top secret? Yeah, secret. <laughs> no? <laughs> now we know his name and his mother's profession. <laughs> yeah, she she works in a high school. Yeah, he's coming to campus this weekend. So. <laughs> coming to campus in like 10 minutes to pick me up, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, um, in my experience, Spanish teachers are either fantastic or horrible. I totally agree. <laughs> I had, yeah. Sometimes I'm they're just to think of awful. Spanish teachers. I think I remember one teacher that was really, oh, yes, I remember one that was really bad. And it's because she didn't like that I spoke Portuguese because mm. I just, like, messed everything up. Not everything. You know, I just, like. Yeah. She knew I think what in, you were talking about. in high about. school, like, I was kind of, like, cocky. I was, like, whatever. Like, I already know this. I didn't really pay attention. Mm-hmm. So she didn't like that. And the other teachers, like, they, they realized that I did that, but they just thought it was funny. Like, they were like, whatever, like, it's fine. That's why we had a good relationship. But this teacher was, like, really annoying about it. She was like, you're so, like, you think you know everything and you don't. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. do I still get good grades? Yes. <laughs> Bye. Like, I, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I did experience, a lot of my friends said that their French teachers were horrible. Mm. Like, I never heard one good thing about a French teacher. Yeah. <laughs> At least in Bethel. No. Wow. Let me just not say my high school. <laughs> At least, like, in the greater Danbury area. I don't want to, like, call out any French teachers. When I was in high school, uh, for the entire four years of French one, I never had a good uh, teacher, French teacher. Yeah, so stick with Spanish if you want cool teachers. Yeah, I guess so. But, oh, my God, but actually Nick's mom teaches French and Spanish. Oh, wow. So maybe she's a mixture of both. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hope she's good in French, too. Yeah, she's real good. Um, she, like, was offering to teach me because I love French like I wish I had taken French Mm -hmm. because I just think it's such a pretty language and she was like you know I have like a thousand books on this like you can just have one or yeah and you work hard you study hard why didn't you take one yeah I should Mm -hmm. I mean I do listen to audiobooks in French so I do know some French Hmm. I knew I know like a phrase that I use at work when people from Canada come in um without a French Canadian there's like a whole party in the back actually and they put me on it they were like oh you know French I'm like I do not know French (laughs) but I do know could I get you something to eat? It's, do you want something to eat? I think it is. It's, 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 est-ce que vous voudriez manger quelque chose? Hmm, that's a very it. good accent. Thanks. I practice it in my car <laughs> <laughs> with audiobooks. French Canadians should know English too, though, right? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty good, but like a lot of them just spoke straight French mm. and they were all like their late 20s, 
So they were like, really? oh, you're a girl, and you kind of speak French. Go. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, okay. Biggie trip. A lot of cool things. There's also... I don't know if this is getting too far out, but let's see. I have something for Friday, actually. I don't oh. think it's on the wow. Tell it me. just came out this morning. It's from the Office of Diversity something. And inclusion? Yeah. Well, no, I don't know. It's not from your office. Yeah. It's, uh, We're intercultural affairs. Oh, oh that's right. But usually the other one is diversity and inclusion. Right. I guess that's what it is. I know that from my internship. So they're going to have a – oh, diversity and equity. That's what it is. Oh. So they're going to have a speaker on Friday. Oh, no. <laughs> Jesus, I'm like you now. Oh, Paul. <laughs> How about you stick to <laughs> – leave the events to the professionals. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that's right. I'm just kidding. It's going to be Wednesday, October 3rd at 10 a.m. on the Midtown Campus Student Center, room 202. And it's a – person, a consultant trainer named Natasha coming in to talk about microaggressions in the workplace. Oh. You know what those are? Yeah. Well, I think I do. Microaggressions. Mm -hmm. Is that like with your face? Microexpressions. Aha. No, that's wrong. (laughs) It's kind (laughs) of like that. It's like you say something to somebody who is not like you and you aren't really thinking about it and you've heard it before and it's really insulting in fact yeah, to yeah. that people person who happens to come from a different culture or whatever. Oh my god. I have to share this with you. So I'm studying the Holocaust for my human rights class. I have to do like a whole paper and a project on it. Um, and I chose it, which is kind of interesting because a lot of people are they wanted to do different genocide. Basically we have to do something on genocide. And I don't know if everyone's heard about the genocide in Rwanda, but it's terrible Mm -hmm. so she wanted us to like branch out and learn about new genocides but i wanted to stick with the holocaust because i just i never really learned enough about it and i'm watching this documentary um because that's like one of the best ways to like really grasp the whole thing first you start off by watching documentary and then you can like research it later and so i'm watching this documentary and this guy it was like a testimony of a police officer at the time like a, a like a german police officer and he said like it was crazy okay so i wish i could like find, like, you know, the episode and, like, read it to you, uh, what he said, but it's something along the lines of, um, he was an officer, he was like, so we got these orders, we were told that these orders came directly from, um, you know, Hitler and Himmler, and we were always trained and, like, like, you know, trained to believe that anything that came from above was right and correct and, like, fine. Mm -hmm. So they, after all the propaganda and everything about how, like, you know, Jews were all of these things, and they were like cockroaches and all this horrible like language and propaganda. They were. He was like, we just believed that they. It was. It was. We had. That was it. Like they were gonna die, and that's it. And oh, I forget what else he said, but basically, it was. Um, oh, he said that that they were like criminals hmm. and just horrible people, and that's it. We just we just did our job as police officers. And I thought the second I read that, I was like in the office, um, and um, I talked to my friend. I was like, "Just listen to this. Th- just listen and think about right now. Like, just think about it." And that's exactly what is going on now. Like, mm-hmm. look at tr- like not to get political, but look at Trump and what he says about immigrants. Uh-huh. You know, they're criminals, they're rapists, all these things, and 
he, with a snap of a finger, he can just do whatever he wants. Like, he can, he, all of this propaganda, all of these things that he's been saying, people have been backing, like, what would stop him from doing the same thing? Like, because, uh, oh, like, oh that, that's, what he, that's what he said. It was like, um, they were the reason why Germany was, was doing so poorly and why right. they lost the First World War. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Like, why is America's, where is America's, um, what is it, um, economy is like terrible because of immigrants that's what it is so after he all he does is say this left and right and then what do you think is going to happen like what okay it happened a few like you know a few decades ago like it's so quick people don't think that it's a thing but Mm -hmm. it it is like he could be easily i think like the next hitler i'm sorry if Mm -hmm. anyone's in favor of him. Luckily, no one listens to the podcast, but the, oh my uh, God. <laughs> dehumanizing people yeah. is uh, something that you got to watch out it's for. It's like the yeah. first step of he- genocide is mm. dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. There's eight, there's 10 stages of genocide, and that was one of the first. Mm. Right. So. That is um, like no one is saying that uh, Trump is going to commit genocide against anybody, but that but you're right. Dehumanizing people far-fetched. is a part of the. Um, path but just like the same series of events are happening maybe it won't happen with him you know maybe it won't be him his doing it's it's different it's a different time or a different era but there are still plenty of people that believe that that sort of thing is fine mm-hmm. there's still uh, unfortunately a lot of nazis around and white yeah if people. you think that white supremacy is gone it's not and if no, you no. and that's just like a whole other thing so i just i saw that and i was like this is insane. Like, yeah, I'm not saying that Trump is going to, like, one-handedly start a genocide, you mm-hmm. know, but I don't know. You Conspiracy know, the, theories. <laughs> <laughs> the um, microaggressions are a, uh, you know, an, out, out, um, an outcome of that, right? You can't go around anymore um, banning people because of the skin, their color of their skin, or calling them offensive names anymore. And there's laws against uh, discrimination and hiring and things like that. But um, microaggressions are saying things that you know your parents said, you've heard Mm -hmm. all your life, and they are still offensive or potentially uh, hurtful. Yeah. Right, and it happens a lot. And uh, at the risk of somebody listening and accusing us of being um, politically correct, it's, uh, you know, real actual stuff that happens. And that makes people feel like they aren't really part of our community, right, here Mm -hmm. at the university or wherever they're working. I mean, nowadays people love politically incorrect, Mm -hmm. though. Mm -hmm. Like Trump was elected because of his political incorrectness, you know, Mm -hmm. his blatant like truth like he wasn't scared to like he could just say whatever he wanted and that's it and they wanted something different you know they're sick of as a woman you probably hear microaggressions all the time sometimes you hear you recognize them sometimes you probably don't yeah and this (laughs) uh, yeah even like in family or anything like Mm -hmm. they'll just be like oh why didn't you like cook food today like just it's something so small like actually like nick said it the other day he was like, oh, you just don't want to cook because you're lazy. Like, like he didn't say it like that, you know, but like it was just like in passing, like we were like joking with each other. And then he just said that. And I was like, hello, like catch, like watch yourself. Like what? Why didn't you cook today? Were you lazy? He was like, oh, you're right. And I was like, yeah. So it's still it's, a, it's honestly like I think I don't know if I probably shared this before with you, but it's really about like 
like I read this once that your first thought when you look at someone or when like you, your first instinct when you, like, for, yeah, I'm not going to get into detail, but your first instinct when you look at someone mm-hmm. or anything like that, that's what society has like conditioned you to think. Mm-hmm. And then your second thought, you know, thinking like, whoa, why am I thinking this way? Or like, what the hell, what the hell is that? That's what you were raised and what your actual moral is. Mm-hmm. So just because you initially like have like Nick, Nick, like he just randomly said this thing. And then, and then I was like, um, hello. And he was like, whoa, why did I even say that? Like, that was stupid. It's just, it, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's how you like become better is how you, you catch yourself and you realize these things that you've been conditioned to believe and just, you know, try right. to change. That was very good. And when you recognize that, that we're all in part of society and we all learn things from society and et cetera and from our families, uh, you, you know, are ready to open, be open to what this um, Natasha, the uh, person who gives a seminar, is going to talk about. Yeah. It'll make life easier for us all on campus and outside campus if enough people go to this thing. Yeah, you could, you know, create your own truth and your own mm-hmm. path to teach your kids, you know. I know Natasha, too. She's very good. She's not Russian and doesn't have a Russian accent, but she uh, is very, which would be fun, but she (laughs) is uh, uh, knowledgeable and smart. Nice. Um, And the last thing I wanted to bring was um, something that we don't really talk about, but I just saw this while you're actually walking over here. It's free and confidential STD testing, Uh which is a lot of people don't like even know it's a thing on campus, but it is. It's free and it's confidential, so uh, there's no appointment necessary. It's in the WCSU Health Service Office throughout all of the fall semester. Um, the next upcoming dates are October 3rd, 17th, and 31st. There's also some in November and December, but obviously, you know, the next few are 3rd, 17th, and 31st. From 11.30 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. Well, I guess that's wrong. 11, I think they mean 11.30 a.m. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. So I guess it's printed wrong. Eleven thirty. Maybe just call them if you want to schedule a HIV STD testing. Please call two zero three seven nine seven one four eight three or two zero three seven nine seven four six two two. And they don't have your number. They don't know who you are. You can always just call them. Be like, hey, is it eleven thirty or is it like when you know? Because mm-hmm. I think it's printed wrong. But there's no shame there. They're all very yeah. professional. Exactly. And it's something that apparently might be needed on a college campus. You know? Yeah, definitely needed on a college campus, mm-hmm. <laughs> any college campus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Apex Community Care. Good. Together we can. That's what slogan <laughs> Yep. So that's all I got. So huh? neither of you decided to mention the undefeated football team's home opener. <gasps> oh. On Saturday. That's right. Football in UMass. Is that what it is? Boy, you're good, Pete. Yeah. UMass Dartmouth. Yep. Okay, so at 5 p.m. at the Westside Athletic Complex, that's when it is. Mm-hmm. For WCSU. On Saturday, right? Dartmouth. Yeah. And they're undefeated. They are? You know, they don't write this in the WOW. They should. They should write that it's their big opener. They mm-hmm. should write that they're undefeated, like it's even more of a reason to come. Yeah, we only have four home games this season. This is the first one. Oh, my God. Wait, is that that's a low number, right? Yeah, yes. we normally have five or six. <laughs> kind of. So... Okay, never mind. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> and uh, if you can't make it, we will be live streaming the game. Yeah. So wcsu.edu slash live, and you can watch it uh, from the comfort of your own home. Nice. I remember when I was a cheerleader, like I had to go to every home game. Mm-hmm. So I think the cheerleaders might be happy that it's for <laughs> this week, this uh, semester. But 
And Pete will be there, too, I think. I will. All of them? Yeah. You're committed? Yeah, we live stream all the home games. Oh. Do you take other time off, then? Oh, sure. Like Wednesday mornings? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) When are Uh Paul and Barbara coming in? (laughs) (laughs) Can't miss Chris and Tracy's podcast. Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) What did Chris and Tracy do this week? Uh... Last week's episode was about video games and compassion. This week's that's coming out tomorrow, or today in this case, is uh, about Mr. Rogers and mm. specifically the documentary Won't You Be My Neighbor that has come out in the mm-hmm. last year or so. Wait, so wasn't his lasting impact on uh, all of us. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that guy arrested? The Not that guy. Not Mr. Rogers. Not Mr. Rogers. The um, Bill Cosby. Was oh, he Bill arrested Cosby. this weekend? No, he was uh, sentenced yesterday. Oh, something like that. Yeah, I heard something like that. To like... Ten years, up to ten years in prison. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch the Cosby show? I'm, gu- I'm guessing not. Um, no. Had you ever heard of him before he was yeah, arrested? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'd heard of him. I think, was he in movies? He was in movies, right? He was in movies and TV, and he was a really famous uh, c- yeah. comedian. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd heard of him like that. I know his face, and I didn't mm-hmm. really follow. I should have followed, you know, if, um, you know, his whole sentencing process and, like, his arrest and all that. I knew that something had happened. Like, there had been accusations. I didn't know he was actually officially arrested. I didn't even know. I mean, it's probably has been on for so long, mm-hmm. like, the case and everything, because you don't just sentence people in a day, you no. know. He's gone through two forever. trials. Damn, I wish I have to read up on that. Yeah, you do. No- <laughs> <laughs> it's a big moment in American societal history because he was a big, powerful guy. Yeah taken down by the word of women who, you know, and there was no other real evidence. So the jury believed in the country, basically believes the women against this really um, powerful guy who 50 years ago or 30 or 20 years ago would have just walked free. They wouldn't even have mentioned. They, he wouldn't have been prosecuted. Wow. Hey, there's a plug for another podcast is uh, Jackie Guzda, her show In the Know. She has an episode coming out uh, this week about the Me Too movement. There you go. Mm. It's perfect. So, it's yeah. Plugs galore today. So we can put Barbara's rant about Trump in Jackie's <laughs> podcast. Right? There you because go. She, uh... <laughs> Barbara's rants. That's a new name. She can have her own podcast. Oh, yeah, you you're right. Just plug in. You just go. Wind her up and let her go. <laughs> I have plenty of those, guys. That can be in your uncle's uh, podcast. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Fight the power. Hey, it's free speech in uh, America here on Westcon's campus. Literally. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Thanks, Barbara. Thank you. See you next time. See ya. Thank you, as always, to engineer Pete Puccio and producer Scott Volpe, who remembered that it was just 50 years ago that the doors came to town. When you find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, please consider subscribing so you can keep up to date with all the news about Westcon. After you subscribe, give us a good review and leave a comment. You can also reach us on Twitter at WCSU411. For Barbara Viegas, this is Paul Steinmetz. See you on the next edition of WCSU411.